the Under Center podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center podcast. My name is Phil Malloy. I'm the host for today, joined by Jake Woolhead. Jake, how are you this evening, afternoon, evening, I guess? Yeah, yeah let's go with evening. Evening here, afternoon, probably in the States somewhere. I am doing just fine. It's a Thursday night, got Friday coming up kind of quickly and then off to the weekend. Yeah, uh, we don't time. have our glorious leader today. Uh, Dara is off sunning himself, I believe, in Lanzarote, getting some well-earned uh, sun and rest. But uh, I think we can make it through today. What do you think? We've got a lot to talk about for once. For once, we do. We won't be just pure shite and spite, uh, crap out of our mouth. So that's a good start, at least. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, everyone knows the draft is just being completed and we're going to follow what every other podcast does and release a whole load of drivel about every player that's been drafted and all that. We know that we know them to a T, let we me tell know you everything that inside and out. But anyway, before we get started on the draft, uh, there is a little bit of news that caught my eye before we started. And it's it's a key news, especially if you're a, an Arizona Cardinals fan. And that is DeAndre Hopkins didn't play a whole lot last year. And this year, he's going to have to wait a little bit longer to get back on the pitch. Six-game suspension for a PED violation. Jake, what did you make of this news? Pretty big deal for the Arizona Cardinals. They're a little bit light at wide receiver to begin with. Yeah, I mean, it's not all that shocking that someone like at the top of their game, an elite wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins has been using PEDs. He, He was probably trying to get back on the field that little bit quicker heal up a little bit faster from them injuries last season. But if we look at it this way, he's going to be missing now 16 consecutive games because last year he missed 10, which is a huge amount of, of games to be missing. And now he's immediately gone into six-game suspension. He he set out his appeal, and then I think he immediately withdrew his appeal because he knew he was just going to lose it. So, um, yeah, not not shocked, but I just think... I don't know how you get around it. And even the little Instagram post he put out afterwards. How much How much does this damage his reputation, Jake, given that people say he's top five, some even saying top three wide receivers in the league but prior to that injury? No, nah, I mean, if we look at other, I don't think it damages reputation at all. If we look at any of other top receivers, I'm sure he just got caught in a bad round. They all do it. Like absolutely everybody in the NFL does it. It's a sport that requires a hundred percent go a hundred percent of the time you're moving. So it's, you'd, I'd say there's 10% of players in the league that aren't on something. Yeah. I, it's just I have he, to say... he happened to get caught in the wrong, wrong time to have it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys uh, will know watching the podcast. Long time listeners will know that uh, we've all played. Obviously you're not, you're not playing this year. Me and Dara still are playing this year. Uh, but given the lowest tier of Irish-American football at an amateur level and how sore I feel after Sunday trainings, I can only imagine what it's like to have to do that for 20, 30 weeks in a row with preseason training camps, voluntary oh, workouts. Like, You're I- being tackled by dudes that are like made of metal and who run faster and hit harder than whatever junk we have in our league <laughs> tackling. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that annoys me a little bit is you obviously have the fraternity of all the guys that play together. And whenever news comes out like this, nine times out of ten, all the kind of ex-pros will say, oh, yeah, he got done by the supplements. And it's always, oh, I hadn't a clue. 
Uh, but one thing that shocked me, obviously, the NFL report won't say what they popped him for. But it does add a very interesting note that he was caught with performance-enhancing uh, drugs, or they might call it substances now, uh, but also a masking agent and or diuretic. So for anyone who might not be aware, that is other substances that you take that kind of diminish the presence of any unused uh, drugs or supplements in your blood. And then obviously a diuretic will help you kind of pee everything out so it's not in any in any kind of body fluids, which for me is an extra layer of suspicion. And hey, maybe maybe these kind of things are in pro-level supplements, but my God, somebody somewhere knew what he was putting in his body. And on top of that, the amount of these players that came out and said, oh, I'm not taking a COVID vaccine. I don't know what's in it. Like, but you're putting this stuff in your body. Ah, we had that. I don't, I don't believe <laughs> it. We had this discussion at the very beginning of it when they were mandating the, the rules for, for getting the vaccines. But what I did also see, and I'm not sure if you caught this, was his doctor who was giving him this had also, it was also a doctor of some other players. And they also had got. Uh, done previously in the past to stuff for for stuff like this as well so uh, obviously you go to this doctor when you want to feel a little little better for the next game yeah. High, I, highly highly suspicious yeah stuff. <laughs> yeah yeah just a little bit but aren't the cards lucky they landed marquise brown isn't that isn't that just lucky well yeah super super lucky i feel like that's uh <laughs> there's, there's been a lot of comments from a lot of people about that and Actually, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but maybe, I mean, obviously, given that they're the team and uh, we kind of get, we kind of tend to be the last people to hear these news. So they they probably knew what was coming down the line. So it's interesting, the implications that come along with that trade. But we will discuss trades a little bit later because there was a lot of them and some of them very interesting. But we are going to jump in now to our draft analysis. And Jake, before we do start, I would like to add a little caveat to our analysis, I think. We're going to do our best to talk about these things, but it drives me up the wall, the amount of these pro-draft analysts that give grades to players, grades to teams. Uh, obviously, we had PFF, uh, Sam on from PFF last week. They're a very talented group, and they, they use as much of actual physical data as they can when they're grading these players. But when I look at, at, at uh, some of those big boards, especially Mel Kuyper, and he, he grades all these players. And if the teams don't do exactly as he thought they should do, he slates them. And no one ever keeps these receipts. So we're going to go through them. We're going to do our best to analyze them. But, I mean, we're not going to pretend we know any way how these things are going to break. Yeah, I can't agree uh, anymore. But we have to just remember, these guys have to make a living about coming out with articles and mock drafts <laughs> and excuses. And then they have to have post-mock draft, post-real draft. Like, they have to fill up the, the airwaves somehow. So I, I wouldn't blame Mel Kuyper. He probably earns a lot more money than I do. And he does <laughs> he something a lot more exciting than I do. So Yeah, well, look, sure. We're going to we maybe do what everyone else does. We're going to go through the top 10 uh, for anyone at this point who doesn't know the top 10, I'm sure everyone has done it. But we'll give a, a brief overview of the top 10. Starting off with the Jags, uh, the early leader in the betting was Aiden Hutchison. That flipped to Trayvon Walker. And in the end, it was Trayvon Walker. Uh, any surprise there for you, Jake? Or, or yeah, I was surprised. I was absolutely surprised. I, I had Aiden Hutchinson going down. And then there was all this news coming out of Trayvon Walker and I thought that's just a bit of smoke throw off not that you need to really throw off who you're picking but when you're picking first but it was 
a little bit no smoke without fire type situation. Um, we do lo- know Trent Balky loves the um, athletic freaks, that kind of elite prospect who might not be uh, technically sound, I say. I'm sure like he's number one overall pick, so he's obviously going to be the top the top really but may not be as technically finished as Aiden Hutchinson but with mm-hmm. that kind of athletic profile he could probably has a higher ceiling than say Aiden Hutchinson yeah that's what stuck out for me was all the talk around Trevon Walker was his athleticism full stop raw raw potential size length everything that you're looking for so maybe not a complete surprise that the Jags took him but I think it could be interesting to see how those two careers pan out Second pick was, of course, with the Lions. They did take Aiden Hutchinson. He played his college ball as Michigan, so he's going to stay in Michigan. He's from Michigan as well, I believe. He played high school football in Michigan. So that's really interesting. And the thing I like about that pick is uh, anytime you get a, a a player that's from a, a slightly underperforming school, obviously Michigan is a massive name in college football, but they didn't have the best season. He was in the conversation. He was invited to the final round the finalists of the uh oh what's the name of the trophy uh the best the heisman trophy yes thank you so anytime you get invited to that thing on a slightly underperforming defense i think it says a lot about just how much your talent sticks out on the team that you're playing for so probably for me not a surprise that agent huston obviously went second jags a team that kind of need everybody at every position so pretty much straightforward Rolling on to the Texans, they took the first defensive back off the board, Derek Stingley Jr. What did you make of that pick, Jake? Yeah, I was shocked by this one. Um, I mean, we all know he's he's the top quality corner in the league, but he has missed, I think, 13 games over a two-year span. That's a little bit worrisome, at least. Hopefully, he's gotten over that. Um, Texans are a team. You're not picking third overall because you're a strong team, so they obviously have a lot of holes to fill. And I can't blame them for taking a cornerback there, but personally, you got to build out that line or something like that. I'm sure they would have liked to trade back a couple of spots, but you're going to have a, like a, what's he, a second year player in Davis Mills, who I don't think is going to really last that long in the league. You want to at least protect them, give them someone to throw to and stuff like this. Um, yeah, I, I would have preferred them to go O-line, but I, you know, man, I can't blame them. They probably had a lot of guys at position three. If they, if, Trayvon Walker had a fall or Aiden Hutchins had a fall, they probably would have taken him. But they said, listen, we like Derek Singley. We think he's the best corner in the draft and he fits our scheme. So I can't blame them, but I, I, I was shocked by it. I agree with you. It's kind of interesting to take a corner when you have so many needs. Not normally considered the uh, the first need to fill, especially as you mentioned, like three offensive tackles went in the top 10. So there's definitely a consensus around the league that the talent was there at the top end. Uh, another DB went straight away afterwards. The New York Jets took Sauce Gardner. A lot of people very excited about this guy. Really long length, as far as I can tell, which a lot of people like. Matches up pretty well against wide receivers that are already in the league. Uh, I probably think if I had to pick, I would probably take him over Stingley Jr. just because he's a little bit fresher. It is difficult to miss a lot of football and then jump straight into the pro ranks. So we'll see how that uh, pans yeah, out I obviously was, yeah. I was also shocked by this again because I would have thought uh, Robert Sala would have preferred Thibodeau over a cornerback but obviously they just ranked the cornerback higher than Thibodeau so can't really blame them here at all Um was happy enough with them it yeah. couldn't have fallen any nicer for the Giants let's just put it Absolutely. that way and, and of course the two New York teams that are not in New York had back to back picks 
So the next up was the Giants. They took Kayvon Thibodeau, another athletic guy. A lot of what I thought were a bit of smoke and mirrors questions about this guy's motor and maybe work ethic that I don't I don't think play anything into how good yeah. of a football player he is or will yeah. be. Yeah. That's what a lot of people, he kind of dropped it at the start of the kind of mock draft season. People had him quite high, higher than five. Um, and then you get into the kind of draft season and everybody has these drafts coming out. And then you hear the news that obviously he's not a lot of motivation to play football, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, where is that coming from? It's only now you're hearing about it. So mm-hmm. is it somebody trying to let him drop a little bit, like spreading a little bit of something to make him drop? Um, personally, I couldn't be any more happy with how that fell for us because obviously the Giants need a tackle and an edge. We've no edge player, a true elite edge player. Now we do with Kavion and Kavon, and we still had, we would have still been guaranteed at least one of our top two, two left of the the tackles, depending on how the Panthers would have would have went. Yeah, and I think it's a good it's a good decision from the Giants in a in a league where the quarterbacks are dangerous. You need that guy to kind of go after him. And I, and I really think at an NFL level with NFL guys around him, again, it comes back. It's so hard to grade these college players. There's so much disparity between teams and between defenses and offenses. It's kind of hard to get a good judge of how good a guy is if he's coming against second, third-tier offensive linemen. But that question about, oh, does he play every single down? Sometimes he takes a down off. I think he can do that at the NFL or at least – it's easier to to keep the motor going when everyone around you is top notch. That Oregon isn't necessarily a world famous defense from what I saw of college football. So uh, probably not a surprise that he was taking a lot of burden on his shoulders in that defense. Moving swiftly on, the Panthers. We thought this might be a quarterback. I think they wisely decided to stay away from that. Akeem Ekwanu, offensive tackle. He was the first tackle off the board. I think that's a pretty nice pick. I think any of those top three tackles that went in the top 10, you can take your pick. I've always said tackle is a, that offensive line is a dark art that I have no idea about. I've no, I don't know how they play it and I don't know who's good and who's bad, but do you have any further insight on that pick? Yeah, I like the pick for the Panthers because um, realistically, Sam Darnold's not the guy, but you give him the protection he needs, see how far you can get with him. And then next year, if you move on from him, you at least have a stronger offensive line than you would have had you went with a different position, for instance. But uh, yeah, I think it's a strong pick for them. I, it's hard to say whether uh, Iquanu or Neil or Cross would be one of the top guys, but they're all top quality tackles, the best you would have gotten in this draft. So uh, we'll have to see how it plays off, but I think that's a fairly solid pick. I think we all just have to accept that the Panthers offense revolves around whether Christian McCaffrey is healthy. You would have me at quarterback. If he's healthy, that's a dangerous offense. And if he's not, then obviously you got to rely on your quarterback. But there's plenty of teams around the league that don't necessarily like doing that. So I don't think that's a really huge knock on Sam Darnold. I think like everyone was excited those first two, three games that he played for the Panthers. I think if he can capture that again... He'd be all right. The next tackle went straight away. The Giants again, Evan Neal. Uh, we kind of swapped him around on our mock drafts, Jacob. If I remember, Evan Neal, uh, Charles Cross, both of those kind of going to the Giants at one of those two top 10 picks that they had. you got to be happy then to obviously go and address the two biggest needs straight away with top 10 picks. 100%. 100%. Because as I said, we, were, we only had, we had a, a second round edge guy last year and basically nobody else 
And then now we have a true edge guy, a second a second round pick edge guy who are going to be ends there. And now we've Andrew Thomas, who was a pretty decent tackle the last couple of years. And then now we have a, the right side of the line kind of solved now. So couldn't be any more delighted how that fell for us. I just think I wanted Neil. I didn't think I was going. we were going to get him, but I couldn't have been happier having him, you know, bookend that right side of the line for the Giants. Yeah, and then the first wide receiver went off the board to the Atlanta Falcons straight after that pick, Drake London. Uh, again, another one of this, like, kind of similar to the cornerbacks, a lot of very similar grades and a lot of guys chopping around positions. Is that the wide receiver you would have taken first based off kind of what you assessed them on? No, I I, I don't really know. I'm not going to lie to you. To Drake London or, or Garrett Wilson, I'm not sure who's going to be better, but that pick just perplexed me anyway because why would you not take one of the top tackles off the board? Um, you're in a rebuild. Wide receiver isn't exactly a rebuild type position. So why would you not take Charles Cross protect it and then see what you could do with what you have with Marcus Mariota and whatever you have Kyle Pitts anyway so I just that was just an odd one for me they could have went wide receiver later in the the rounds absolutely and as you mentioned a consensus almost top 10 tackle still on the board he didn't have to wait much longer he went to the Seattle Seahawks the beautiful irony that as soon as Russ is gone (laughs) they start to build the offensive line to protect I don't even know who the presumptive starting quarterback is in Seattle. It looks like, like Drew Locke. Gino it looks Smith like Drew Locke. Like Drew Locke, okay. So, it's Gino or yeah. Drew. I mean, he's going to, either one of those is going to need plenty of help. But look, both starting quarterbacks in the NFL, so they can definitely sling the ball if you give them enough benefit. <laughs> starting quarterback. Starting yeah. quite, hey, they did it. <laughs> Not necessarily the most spectacular teams in the world, but they have that honor. Uh, so offensive tackle, I think pretty... Pretty clear need for Seattle and a pretty dead to rights pick given that he was still on the board at number nine. Yeah, a team that acquired a lot of draft capital capital with that trade in the offseason kind of have to go into like a mini rebuild, if you will. I, I would have preferred them or I would have picked them to pick Charles Cross because that uh, I feel like was um, put in the pick as soon as you, you had your chance to take Charles Cross. Mm-hmm. And then finally rounding out the top 10, the Jets picked again. They got Garrett Wilson, wide receiver. Uh, I think we were when we were talking to Sam last week, I believe he put him over Chris Olave when I asked him the question. Uh, so probably, I, in my opinion, a pretty good pick. Maybe uh, the best wide receiver in the league, certainly are in the draft, certainly up for debate. Pretty, pretty good shout by the Jets, would you say? I mean, another team yeah. that kind of needs more talent that whatever position they can get. Yeah, I'm happy with this one for the Jets. I think they picked their guy at four with Sauce, and then they said, listen, we need to give Zach Wilson the tools to succeed. So that's what they, last year they had added Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, and the running back, his name is uh, is gone for me. But now they're saying we give you a true elite wide receiver one, then you still have Corey Davis, who we know is talented, and we know that Elijah Moore could be talented as well. So... Mm-hmm really round that out give zach all the tools to succeed this is the time for them to start winning mm-hmm. we are obviously uh fans in our own right so jake just briefly i get you to go through what did you make of the overall draft for the new york giants this year obviously two top 10 picks we kind of touched on how happy you were and how they fell uh without necessarily naming a whole list of names or anything overall what did you did you make of the draft further down the rounds for the new york giants 
Yeah, well, if, you, if you're going to, I'd have to ignore the first round because picking at five and seven, I think personally, it's hard to go wrong, really, mm. especially the way it fell for the Giants. So round one, you get, obviously, I think you got a huge improvement immediately there. And then round two, we got a wide receiver. It was an odd pick, but there's other reasons that kind of might come into play. I'll talk about that later. And then they just kind of picked other players that, uh, they might pick them a little bit too early in a lot of people's eyes, but if you like your guy, go get him. Don't be waiting around for him to be gone, especially you might get caught in a bad run of whatever, running backs or cornerbacks or whatever being taken. So don't go caught without your guy if you think you have him. So I was really happy with the whole draft as it stands. What about yeah. you with your Washington commanders? Absolutely. So obviously we traded out a number 11 uh, and we got Jahan Dotson. I think that's a good pick. I think... I think Washington is in an awkward position where they have just about good enough talent at every position. That's just it's NFL tier, but they're not they're not elite at any necessarily any position other than maybe wide receiver. You could argue, uh, and perhaps running back, depending on where your allegiances lie. But uh, I think it's a good pick. It was good value. I don't mind trading out. Obviously, the Saints in that trade picked Chris Olave. I don't mind that. Uh, I think Jahan Dotson fits what we want to do better uh, and was obviously good value in that he was still on the board uh, and it was a good position to pick him. So in terms of the first round, I think that's pretty good for the commanders. That slot guy, look, we haven't been the most explosive offense in the world. Just any other guy you can throw the ball to who's dangerous, even if it's uh, in that 10 to 20 yard range, is going to make that offense a little bit more dangerous. And open up some double teams that have been on uh, that ha Washington have had to deal with and not had an answer for. So that's really good. Beyond that, yeah, sorry, go. I was just going to say, you can't argue with trading back, getting a quality wide receiver, Absolutely acquiring not. a little bit of extra draft capital. And then, you know, it's probably at the point you trade back to what was a 16 or 17 year best yep. player available anyway. So yep, it, he was probably best player on the board. Yep, and so for the rest of the draft, again, it's like you, unfortunately over here, we struggle to keep up with the college game, uh, so it's difficult to really get the analysis. We're obviously also uh, part-time podcasters, so we don't get a lot of time to break down film. Uh, we'll see. I don't know how much of these guys are going to make the roster. That seems to be the underlying story for me, for the commanders over the last few seasons, is I've noticed a lot of draft picks don't make it, and I, and I don't know what that's like in terms of other teams. I don't know how the numbers, the ratio compares, uh, but it'll be interesting. Again, like you said, some people said we reached for certain players, but again, you have to pick them before the next guy who would pick them. So it doesn't matter if, if you've got to wait a whole round to get back to you, if you need to pick them around early. You have to, if you think even the guy ahead of you in the next round is going to take that player. So if you, if you like him and he's the next guy on your board, I think you have to take him when it's your round. I don't give a crap where someone else said he should go because the reality is most players are on at least five or six boards, especially down probably the first three, four rounds. So I think you take him when you see him and you go from there. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Just uh, you wouldn't want to be wasting your time and then picking guys that you had maybe they would have probably even been down on your draft board below where you were picking. So you would have been mm -hmm. picking the wrong player anyway. Exactly. Is there anyone, Jake, in that kind of two, three round, uh, second, third round zone that you think might be a, a steal of the draft? Is there one player in particular that jumped out at you? 
I don't know about steel as such, but I thought a really smart pick was from the Jets at 36. They picked Brees Hall, the running back. Um, again, they picked the wide receiver um, at, at 10. And then they pick go ahead and pick a high round, the first running back off the board, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, um, top quality pick. A lot of players had him at first round talent. So I just think that's a smart pick. You give Zach Wilson, again, somebody who can catch out a backfield, is a three-down kind of running back, and then he has all these tools and weapons, and then you've given him the chance to succeed. So I just think that's a really smart move overall from the Jets. Yeah, and no running backs taken in the first round. And I think it's interesting that we both went for running backs in this. I <laughs> I thought, and I tweeted out as well, James Cook to the Buffalo Bills. I heard a lot about him. They're saying he's not, he's not quite Dalvin Cook, but not quite Dalvin Cook is still a pretty good running back. I was always really uh, intrigued by Devin Singletary there, but I have to agree that he hasn't really had the production over the last few seasons. So I think getting an effective running back in that building that doesn't need a whole lot of holes filled, that's a very interesting pick, very smart pick. Yeah. And obviously, and he was bull- only the second running back to go off the board. And the Bills running backs have always struggled uh, as of recent years. The running game has just been terrible. So got to plug something in, give it a little bit of, of lightning just to start that game. Because as we know, that team is dangerous as is. So the only thing that can bring it up to that next level is a running back who can really show you what you can do with an effective run game. Mm-hmm. So we'll move on a little bit. And for me, one of the big stories of the draft was the number of trades in the first round a lot of movement going on not necessarily record setting but for me in my recent memory quite a lot of movement in the first round and some very strategic and interesting teams moving back up into the first round to pick right at the end which we thought might be set up nicely by the fact that i think the chiefs had two picks right down at the end a lot of really good teams that didn't necessarily need a first round pick and could get a lot of draft capital for some more depth later so I'll just run through them briefly. Obviously, we touched the first draft or the first trade in the draft was the Saints moving up from 16 to 11 uh, with the Commanders and they took Chris Olave there. Then the Lions jumped the biggest out of everyone in the first round. They went all the way from 32 up to 12 and they took Jameson Williams, which is an interesting pick. Uh, there was a kind of a run of wide receivers going on there. So I guess they figured they needed a wide receiver and they had to go up and get one. Right at Before that even we move on to the next trade, can we just help talk how ridiculous that value was for the Lions to move up 20 places? They basically yep. paid like what was the equivalent of a third round pick or something in the end. Yeah, for I think 20 that's all places. Gave. That's ridiculous. Like, I think last year somebody traded like this year's for like the, the Bears last year to move up from nine to, to was it our 10 to seven? No, 20 to seven from the Giants pick. Dave was like oh, first oh. round a whole lot more a first round what i just couldn't understand i just thought that was the weirdest value of any trade yeah yeah it was it was pretty good uh who did they trade with actually i don't have I, it was so the vikings the vikings traded all the way back so yeah uh, excellent move and i think the vikings kind of got stung there to be honest just, well, it didn't make any sense maybe they just said we don't actually like the value of any of these players but yeah come on Surely I mean, the Vikings can, aren't that good. Do you know what I mean? You I can did, take a player there. I don't know who was available. Tyler Lindebaum at 12 would have been a better pick, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Then the Eagles uh, jumped in. They only moved up two. They went from 15 to 13, and they took Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle. 
that was an interesting move. I don't I don't see where that value was, but obviously they wanted to get some stuff moving. Then the big one, the one that kind of caught everyone off guard, Baltimore traded Marquise Brown to the Cardinals, as we hinted at and foreshadowed earlier in the show, uh, for the 23rd pick. And then they used that pick and they traded back again in another trade later on in the round. So uh, what did you think of that trade? I think very interesting from the Cardinals. They obviously knew the DeAndre Hopkins was coming down the line. But uh, before we talk about that, I want to add in the next trade that happened was <laughs> AJ Brown from the Titans. He went to Philadelphia for the 18th pick and the 101st pick. So they basically gave up. They just gave him a, a 101st pick for AJ Brown. For me, how <laughs> the Cardinals didn't get AJ Brown and dropped to Marquise Brown, I'll never understand. Marquise, Marquise Brown is a fine wide receiver, but if you compare his output to AJ Brown, I don't think they're comparable at all. I think the problem here was apparently that Marquise Brown trade had been in the works long, a long time, because I think Steve Kive had flown Marquise and his girlfriend in for the draft party. So obviously this was in the works. They knew what was going to happen. So maybe they, they weren't, maybe the Titans weren't selling at the time for AJ Brown. It's Marquise Brown, I just think, is a weird pick. It was like, I feel like you could have gotten somebody else instead of trading for Marquise Brown, who you're going to have to pay in a year anyway. And we've seen what Christian Kirk could get, so we can assume it's going to be somewhere along the lines of Christian Kirk money. So why not just pick up that wide receiver, rookie rookie wide receiver in this draft? That's what kind of confused me. I was just so confused about it. It was similar to the Titans, but I think the Titans did it well they traded away a receiver who they were gonna have to pay 25 million a year for a receiver who a lot of people are comparing to aj brown anyway yeah and yep. he's gonna be earning buttons for the next what is it four or five years so i thought that was a really smart move to get to get rid of the aj brown now where does takes the titans next year i don't know we all know i'm not a fan of ryan Tannehill, so we don't know how that goes but i just thought that was a smart move yeah, and I think, you know what, Baltimore was pretty smart as well. They obviously weren't particularly happy with Marquise Brown's output. I think a number one pick for him is actually pretty good value when you actually even out. I would definitely, uh, for instance, take A.J. Brown out of any of the wide receivers given his outputs. I know what I'm going to get. Marquise Brown, to get a number one uh, first-round pick for him, that's that's pretty good going. I think he held his value pretty well, on the good on the Ravens side, stuff. absolutely. And yeah. even if we're talking about the Ravens first round as a whole, I just thought that went like that was probably the best first round when you're picking so late. Is they picked up uh, Kyle Hamilton first? I can't remember what pick that was. He fell to what mm-hmm. seventeen or something, and then they mm-hmm. traded back into the first to get Tyler Lindebaum. So. Um, maybe Lamar wouldn't be too happy about losing one of his friends, his wide receivers, but you can't argue with having somebody to anchor the center of your offensive line. Absolutely. And then everything kind of calmed down a little bit. Kansas moved up eight spots with the Patriots to go into the, to the 21st pick. They took a cornerback. Uh, they obviously wanted to make sure that of the top tier cornerbacks in their book, uh, they got their man, obviously felt like if they waited right down to the end they weren't going to get the value from then the bills moved up two spots with the ravens obviously as we mentioned they took a cornerback so that kind of started that little second mini run of cornerbacks the jets the jets traded back in to the uh to the first round with the titans 
for the 26th pick and they got uh, Jermaine Johnson, which I think was a very good value trade for them. And I'm, I'm not sure, I guess the Bills just didn't really didn't really care if he was still on the board. I, if I was the Bills, maybe I'd take a shot on that guy and, and don't do that trade with the Jets. Who, who's Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson now? Jermaine Johnson the second. Uh, he's the guy that was on hard knocks. A lot of people thought he might go top 10 out of Florida State. Maybe he's, he, he's, what position does he play? Oh, he's a he's a defensive end, as far as I know. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, another yeah, smart move. Yeah, end. trade up, trade up, get a, a fairly solid guy. You know, can't argue with that. And then another oh. excellent trade back up was the last one done. The Jags traded back up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get the twenty seven pick, and they took Devin Lloyd, another guy who there was talk of being a top ten pick if things fell the right way. So. I think uh, both those teams got pretty good value out of those two picks. Yeah, and sure, you can't argue with the Jags trading up. They have, they obviously got their guy at number one and then getting up and getting another, I think, isn't them Lloyd a linebacker? A lot of people linebacker, have yeah, absolutely. Rated. So, yeah, now you've got basically two strong parts of a, a defense, like good, good foundation there. And Josh Allen as well, already on the team. So that defense could, could be like that... Um, the, the defense of a couple of years ago when they made that almost playoff run. Yep, absolutely. So that kind I, of. I did see. Yeah. Sorry, I did see a, a, like a theory on why there was a good run of wide receivers nice and early, and it's all because of the contracts that all these wide receivers are getting. So now you can lock up your current wide receiver on a rookie contract for four years. So you've gotten out of that one if you've got an elite wide receiver out of it. Absolutely. I think if you were a privileged enough team to be in that midfield that needed a wide receiver or that could have reasonably taken a wide receiver i think it's a it's a good year to do it it was a deep pool of wide receivers and you obviously get that fifth year option at the end and you pay them that what is now the collective bargaining agreement so there's not much negotiation that needs to go on in those contracts i think a very interesting time uh, jake that pretty much wraps up everything i had for the draft i noticed you were going to talk a little bit about the uh the giants wide receiver situation you want to fill us in on your thoughts on that one yeah, I was just going to say, because we picked a wide receiver second round, Wandale Robinson, kind of a slot gadget guy. A lot of people are saying that, but um, I just thought, like, at first I was kind of like, there was other value to be found on the board, but I'm obviously not a GM of the NFL, so I'm going to trust in, um, in Shane here to pick the right guy, but if you look at the Giants wide receiver room, we're going to be down Galladay probably next year unless he gets a restructure. Shepard's probably going to retire if he gets another injury, which is highly likely. Tony almost was on the chopping block, and then Darius Slayton is on the chopping block. They're going to cut him for 2.5 million savings this year. So I just think uh, picking a wide receiver early, getting one that's somewhat highly rated, you can't argue with that, really. Yeah, maybe an under-the-radar need. Not necessarily... Uh historical from last season but maybe projecting forward a good draft pick to have a, yeah. a wide receiver and like you said any of those guys in the first round they should make a roster any of the lower round guys it's more difficult so taking a wide yeah, receiver in the four, second round is if six and seven rounds you're probably your depth guy special teamer for a while anyway so absolutely you never so. know another yeah. thing i wanted to talk about was just the quarterbacks that we oh yes we, we should kind of really have discussed yeah uh, first First quarterback off the board, Kenny Pickett, 20th overall. I don't think anybody had that, really. I mean, that just was ridiculous. Me and you, I think, 
I had Malik Willis at six to the Panthers. Did you have Kenny Pickett to the Panthers at six? I I had and I never liked it, but yeah, I just I just figured of all of the franchises, the Panthers are the one to just get a quarterback just because <laughs> just regardless because, of yeah, how they yeah. created them and just just take it. So I did see a stat, an interesting stat. It was the longest um it was the longest wait for a quarterback to go in the first round since 1997. It was a it was a long fall, That's but I don't think like... I think they were pretty well prepared. I don't think it was an Aaron Rodgers situation. I think they kind of suspect if, if it wasn't the Panthers, it might be a long all wait before a, yeah. a quarterback. And then taken. what do we we had the Malik Willis took a really really long tumble down to the third round for my yeah. sixth overall and a lot of people's. I've seen higher than sixth overall, so he took yeah, a huge really, tumble. What do you make of that? Really interesting. I'm. I think the book is out. I haven't seen a lot of information about him. I haven't seen a lot of uh, video on him either. Liberty, obviously, a small school. I do find the small schools interesting because the it's almost like the parody is is better, right? But you. You don't know what he's like playing with good wide receivers. It's a double-edged sword of, yeah, the Ohio State quarterbacks that are recent years have looked really good, but they've also had way better wide receivers than any of the corners they were playing. And, and so you have to assume you... better offensive line, the whole exactly. better schemes, so, all of this. I think you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And that's why we kind of put that little caveat at the start that like, look, the reality is nobody, no matter who you're reading or viewing or listening to, has any clue how any of these people were panned out. Uh, I've been listening to Rich Eisen recently. I, I like his show a lot. Uh, and he had Ryan Leaf fill in from while he was doing the draft coverage. And like, that's the perfect thing. It was him and Peyton Manning going one, two, or as he said, one A and one B. Peyton Manning's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And Ryan Leaf was in Ryan prison Leaf. five um, years ago for drug addiction. <laughs> yeah. So really, we none of these draft picks mean anything other than you might get a bit more production out of the higher guys than the lower guys. And you're a bit more happy if you get better production out of the lower guys. But yeah, and obviously we should mention Sam Hell, Washington Commanders backup quarterback. Now, Round I'm quite five. happy with that, to be honest. Do you I think mean, he makes the backup quarterback or is he third string? See, I think he could be third string, but... But Washington have a habit of keeping a lot of quarterbacks on the roster in the last couple of years. So if there's a team with three quarterbacks on the roster, it will be the Washington Commanders. Uh, but I like them. I have to say, of all of the quarterbacks, he was the least trashed from what I heard of everybody. Now, it also <laughs> means not a lot of people were talking about him on a, on a favorable way, but he also didn't get as much of stick as other quarterbacks. So... I think at the round we took him, I believe fourth, maybe five, fifth round five. we took him. Uh, that's not bad. We can do with it. We can do with an old project quarterback. We can do with getting a diamond in the rough. That that'll suit us pretty well. And it's not like I think we are paying Wentz a decent amount of money, but I I think we have enough leeway to kind of get out of that in a couple of years if the production isn't where we want it to be. So yeah, interesting. But I think uh, I'm glad to see that the quarterbacks got treated the way we were saying they should the whole time, that this was <laughs> overhyped. Stop talking about the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks aren't there this year. And I think the NFL teams kind of knew it. And maybe they were playing a little bit of chess in the media, trying to force your opponent, your divisional opponent, to take a quarterback that you know, like, there's no chance he can beat us <laughs> for the next four or five years if you're relying on him. 
yeah completely fair i mean you have to assume a lot of like a lot of people are saying a lot of things to try their best to influence how the draft board falls whether it's yeah. in their favor by getting a player to drop further than they want or to try get your opponent as you said to pick a player higher than you want or then they want to even draft them yep so that's pretty much all for me anything last you want to you want to mention jake on this draft in-depth yeah. draft analysis of the owners i don't podcast. think so i think i'm i'm quite happy with how the show went we had a really in-depth discussion that we know everything about all the top 10 draft picks yeah um, so you could basically call us experts if somebody wants to come along <laughs> and give us a little bit of money for a i wouldn't complain yeah well look we did our modest uh, draft show as every nfl covering podcast is almost contractually obliged to do uh, we will have dara back next week i'm sure he's gonna have a proper show organized for us there was me in charge so uh, we'll see i i don't think the draft talk is going to be over with because everything kind of dies down now again until preseason kicks in so i imagine we might get i know there's some things in the work trying to get some guests on to to go through maybe a couple of key teams uh draft days but Thanks, everybody, for listening. You, of course, uh, can find us on social medias, on Twitter and on Instagram at UndercenterPod for both of those. You'll find us also, all the archives on YouTube, Under Center Podcast there. And, of course, the audio version of this podcast is always available on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Just search Under Center Podcasts on those jake thank you very much for your time this thursday evening no problem Fionn. thanks for hosting you did a lovely job thank you very much everybody stay safe 